I spent a fair few years as an instrumentation electrical engineer, working on a few control systems and programming. Where I started finding myself different to the others was instead of just going through and doing that data entry, I kept thinking it could just be an inherent laziness, but I kept thinking to myself that there's a better way to do this. Like, why am I going to sit here, look at a PNID drawing, look at someone else's data and then go type it in and check and then go back. So in essence, what I ended up doing, and I don't recommend this to a lot of people, but Back in the day, what I did do was gain access to the database, wrote my own queries and managed to populate the data in the Excel files, 1200 and something of them, just using the data that was already available. One of the key aspects in artificial intelligence machine learning in the last few years has been around productionizing and scaling the use of these services. And for that, at Data Futurology, we've created an event, which we've run a couple of years now. We call it Advancing AI. So we want to be advancing the deployment of these systems in production at scale. We also want to advance the use of these capabilities throughout the organizations. And we always cover the most relevant and best topics that we can find. And we're definitely keen to see you there in the next one. This year's 2022's Advancing AI is going to be in person in Melbourne, April 6th and 7th at Crown Promenade. I hope to see you there. The lineup is looking fantastic. Please check it out on datafuturology.com. It's all gonna be geared around productionizing these systems, scaling them, and increasing the adoption of AI within organizations and outside. April 6th and 7th, Melbourne, Crown Promenade. Advancing AI with Data Futurology. Thank you so much. See you there. I wanted to say a big thank you to our sponsor, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading data specialist recruitment business. They are experts in recruitment strategy and delivery for analytics and data teams. They are the go-to recruitment business for all your data roles in Australia, and they can help both with permanent hires and short-term project-focused data resources. I've used Talent Insights in the past, and I've always found them fantastic to work with. Visit them at talentinsights.com.au. Hi, this is Felipe Flores. Welcome to Data Futurology. Today, I'm sitting with a very special guest, Anuj Anand. He is the Chief Information Officer from Osenko, recently-ish back in Australia. So we are very excited to have you on the show. Anuj, how are you doing today? Felipe, pleasure to be here, mate. Uh, super excited. Uh, I know we had a conversation a few weeks ago, and uh, I actually went and listened to some of the podcasts since then. So really excited for today, mate, and doing great. Mate, same here. Very, very excited uh, to get a chance to dive into uh, both your experience, your, your learning, and everything that we're going to be talking about today. Really, really good. Um, I wanted to start by asking you uh, if you can tell us a little bit about your, your background and how you went from working in remote mine sites all the way to CIO. It's an interesting journey, Felipe, to say the least. So more than happy. And again, just before we kick things off, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show and it's an honor as well, Felipe. So That's very kind, mate. No, pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much. Good stuff, mate. Yeah, well, it's an interesting story and I'm sure um, pretty different to most CIO journeys and maybe some similarities. And 
I still question myself sometimes on whether it was the right decision, but every decision is the right decision. You've got to back yourself, right? Exactly. Um, so I actually started from the floor in a company now, Rio Tinto Alcan, um, but started you know, as an instrumentation engineer. Um, and part of what I had to do was in my first role was more than a thousand data sheets. So if you think about that typical graduate, you know, getting in big Excel files and you have to just go in and input data, right? So, so that was really the job. And um, that's where I started. I spent a fair few years as an instrumentation electrical engineer, working on a few control systems and programming. Where I started finding myself different to the others was instead of just going through and doing that data entry, I kept thinking it could just be an inherent laziness, but I kept thinking to myself that there's a better way to do this. Like, why am I going to sit here, look at a PNID drawing, look at someone else's data and then go type it in and check and then go back. So in essence, what I ended up doing, and I don't recommend this to a lot of people, but Actually, I don't recommend it. Now as a CIO, I don't recommend it at all to anyone. But back in the day, what I did do was gain access to the database, wrote my own queries and managed to populate the data in the Excel files, 1,200 and something of them, just using the data that was already available. And, you know, just realized that in every one of these processes and every one of these groups or journeys that you get on, I kept finding out that there's a there's got to be a better way, right? Yeah. You know, like, why don't we keep challenging that status quo? And um, that's that's what I kept doing and, um, you know, created some software programs through the, through the journey. I, um, I know one of the ones that I worked on was related to data management and revision control. And one of our clients found that really useful for one of the big projects we did in Peru close to home for you, Felipe, but yeah, uh, yeah the project's actually uh, at a really high altitude. I think it's higher than um, Machu Picchu in terms of altitude or around a similar sort of wow. level. So it's, uh, it's a big project. It's a big mine on the side of a mountain. That's really what we do, right? You know, is, is do some exciting and very innovative projects. And I think that really gets driven down to some of the work that we do, you know, is finding a better way to do things and there's always a better way to do it. So, so that's, um, that's another program that I created. And I think it stood out, you know, with the client actually saying, Hey, this is really great, you know, and we ended up, they nominated us for award for this, you know, in terms of innovation and ideas. And we ended up winning the award and, you know, people started taking notice going, Hey, who 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 created this? You know, like oh, and I literally started doing this at the back of, you know, just just working day to day and going, there's got to be a better way to do things, right? Like, you know, why is everyone checking all this information every time we go through something? You know, so yeah, so we did it. And, you know, I think it stood out to to a few of the leaders within the business that uh, that you know there might be some potential here, you know, for a different role and and. It, Kudos to that thinking, right? You know, to be able to say, well, you know, there's an aptitude there. There's there's a hunger there. You know, there's the work that's being put in at different. You know, there's there's a future leadership role, and and that's always been recognised. You know, even earlier days that there was a future leadership role. Um, you know, as part of what they would call a high potential cohort initially, but a very different channel, right? You know, the channel of growth was towards an engineering manager or design manager or leader, that sort of um, 
versus IT. And, you know, I got called in. I remember this and I was telling you the story, Felipe. I, I got called into what I would classify as the principal's office in 2015, 2016. You know, got the tap on the shoulder saying, hey, Anuj, um, you know, some of the C-suite, our CIO at the time, the CTO at the time, um, you know, they want to have a chat with you. And I was like, ah, oh, what have I done? You know, I'm in trouble <laughs> for something, right? What would you think, you know? You did, had no idea and, um, you know, get called in and I can see a few of them sitting in, in this meeting room. And it was the year that tapped me on the shoulder and said they're waiting to talk to you in a meeting room. And... Uh, how the office was set up was level five was this real corporate area that you know mm-hmm. you never really need to go to you know so I go up the stairs thinking that's it you know I should have probably packed a few of my things yeah. and paperwork. <laughs> you know, I would have been so nervous yeah you know that's what you're thinking goes to is like what have I done have yeah. I said something to someone have I done mm-hmm. something you know I probably won't even get to go back to my desk I've heard these yeah. stories but never experienced it you know it's pretty like uh just over 30 i think at the time and um yeah got called in and they're like oh Nude, how's things going you know congratulations on this award you know that's great um what are your future plans and i'm like mm. uh i'm gonna get to like part of the roadmap you know that you would think you guys would know you know just, man, like oh, no 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 we've got a different different plan for you what about you look to you know as a goal maybe in five to ten years you know whatever that time frame is you 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 know move towards like something a bit more lofty like a cio um awesome I said, yeah and i said oh that that sounds exciting um what what else is it like oh yeah just just think about it you know have you ever thought about moving to it and you know Sitting on that side at one point of time, you think about IT, yeah, um, you know, as a back office function, right? You go, mm-hmm. they're the guys, you know, that a lot of the time, you know, creating barriers versus, you know, enablers, you know, and, and mm-hmm. things like that. You know, that was my view on IT. And, you know, I'm happy to say that I feel like we've changed some of that within the business, but that's how I thought about IT. And I was like, while this seems great, you know, it's, it's also, do I, have, did I ever want to be part of IT? And, um, you know, they, they joked with me. They're like, all right, you can have a think about it and come back and give us an answer in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. So I said, uh, then they, they laughed, you know, because obviously I was nervous, right? And then after, they're like, no, no, we're joking. But have a think about it, you know, and how about we set up a meeting in, in a week to talk about it, you know, and what it entails, you know, in a bit more detail. And you'll obviously have a lot of questions coming up and, so I had a few questions at the time and then in a week I had more questions, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, what's the roadmap look like? Like, I don't know enough about IT. I know a bit about, you know, programming from my background and, you know, working in control systems. Um, you know, th- that's what I know about. And they're like, don't worry, we'll, we'll help you learn. You know, you'll, you'll be mentored by one of the VPs in the business right now in the group. And, you know, so, so you'll have enough there to, to learn and grow and and yes yeah, so i said oh sounds exciting and they're like all right but you know before we kick things off you know and like you commit to this like why don't you go and think about you know what's a nuja's view on what technology will look like at a senko in five years and you know i was like uh, okay and they're like yeah, yeah think big you know like what do you think we're gonna 
invest in and what's what's going to be the future of technology in in five years and you know this is 2015 right mm-hmm. you know so so i'm like oh technology in five years you know i think there's going to be drones flying everywhere yeah. everyone's going to be wearing vr glasses and they're like come up with a strategy right you know what would you think felipe in five years like where would you go yeah like exactly like the, the world's your oyster like five years is a time that it's kind of like long enough that anything is possible right yep yeah, and it's like five years is a good time, you know, and, you know, there's some reality kicking in at that point of time. You know, there was there was a lot of stuff on um, Google Glass at the time starting mm-hmm. to pop up, you know, and not meta, but, you know, there was this VR world like kicking off, you yeah. know, games starting to kick off. And, you know, so there's all these exciting things and drones were starting to become, you know, popular. So I went back and I was like, this is great you know like such a good opportunity like they're going to ask me what i think and i'm going to get all these cool toys and you know it's, it's going to be amazing um so i went back and you know they gave me three months to come up with my it strategy um you know and what we're going to invest in as as a senko in uh over over that period of time and, and this uh, obviously it was the first time that you were doing a strategy of of this level right it was First foray. This is the first time I was doing a strategy, you know, not in front of this guy. <laughs> so, so as as you can imagine, the I, I finished the strategy, what I thought was a strategy, in six weeks, you know, and I I sent uh, the EA because that's what the communication channel was at the time. I said, oh, I'm actually ready to present. Um, yeah. So they organized a meeting and sat down and, uh, you know, I went through my presentation, you know, this is how things are going to look. You're going to have these drones flying everywhere. Um, you're going to have like VR glasses. You can visit the site in virtual reality. Um, you're going to have all these cool things. And it was like about 40 minutes of me talking and presenting this. And I could see their faces, right? Like this, you know, when a presentation isn't going well, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, it wasn't going well. So, you know, starting to get more nervous and uh, needless to say, Felipe, that it ended up with, you know, look, I know we didn't give you, I remember this quite clearly. Neil said to me at the time, he said, I, I know we didn't give you enough of what we wanted to see, but this is definitely what we didn't want to see. <laughs> and I was like, Wow, this this is pretty harsh, and you know, so got some really, really strong, realistic, tangible feedback saying, you know, this is not a strategy. Like, why don't you read about what a strategy is, and you know, start from there, and like then develop it, and don't rush into this. You know, we're giving you like a big opportunity here, right? Like, you don't have to come back to us. Like, you're not trying to meet a milestone, and you know, come back to us in six weeks with something that's half baked or you know, not not a strategy to say the least. So, um, and you know, you got to think about it. You know, if if this is what you think is the future and stuff, you know, do you really want to be in IT? And so I went back, and you know, I was pretty disappointed in myself. One, um, and the second thing I was really disappointed in is, you know, just feedback was so raw and realistic. You know, like while it was tangible, I was like wow, you know, uh, this level is a lot harsher than, yeah. you know, than, than what I'm used to as well, yes. right? Yeah, there's there's no sugarcoating anything. 
you know, there's no like, oh, well, why don't you think about this? This is all right. There's none of that babying or, you know, that warm feedback and you know, like, Luke, it's direct. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I went back and I worked on it and I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to present and just show that I can do this, right? Like yeah. it was a challenge yeah. for me and I, that was a challenge for myself that I'm going to show that I'm going to do the best strategy, but I'm not going to move into IT. Like I'm not going to give, you know, one, um, them the satisfaction or, you know, two for myself, you know, even just go, I don't think I was ready. I didn't think I was ready to do it. You know, it wasn't the role for me, but I wanted to show this whiz bang, amazing strategy of this document that I was going to come up with. And I did, you know, I started looking at, you know, what into, what's a good strategy, you know, what, it, what makes a good strategy, you know, like you've got that vision, you know, like how do you actually make it tangible? You know, how do you reach those targets? You know, well, drones are great, but, you know, like, how do you reach that? Like, how do you, what systems have you got right now to get to that point of time? And, um, you know, so I, I actually painted a really good picture, roadmaps on what systems we've got, how we're going to make data, you know, like our biggest asset and why it's really important, how that's going to lead to something that you're passionate about in AI and, um, you know, painted that picture. And while I was presenting, you know, just that look of, you know, satisfaction on their faces, you know, the smiles, like, you know, that, you know, I, I think it, it was the smile and like, you know, we've made the right choice or, you know, this is, this is not as bad as obviously they thought after that first presentation. And uh, yeah, obviously I accepted the roles, got some good feedback then as well. And, um, you know, started putting into place a strategy that we started that long ago. So, so in the end, you know, yes, everything works out, but definitely one of those stories where it's taken like a massive kick in the guts to, to get to where you need to. Mate, I'm so, I'm so impressed with both um, your, your resilience and your motivation, your drive, your grit, um, and also so impressed with the leadership of the organization to to find and nurture um, the, the talent internally. And in your case, like to, to provide the opportunities in such a, a clear, direct way with, like with, with the feedback necessary for people to grow, because it's, 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 I think it's tough to, to grow if you're not getting that sometimes, you know, gut wrenching feedback. <laughs> um, and, and often, if you don't hear it firsthand, it's going to take a long time to get that realization and that growth. Um, but they gave it to you straight and like you showed why they were picking you as a result. Like you just like took it from one level to, to the next so quickly. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's a, I've seen a couple of others since that point of time, but it's a good case study in, you know, that recognition and, you know, I'm sitting in a C-suite role now, you know, you're recognizing the, you know, not to, not to big note myself, when you, but you're recognizing the energies in the team, you know, you're recognizing yeah. the energies in, in the other groups, you know, like actually living it and going through the growth and, and understanding it not that long ago, um, you know, it's still pretty fresh and, you know, you can see pretty quickly, like what needs to happen to some of these younger folk while 
while I, I don't totally agree in that really harsh, realistic feedback all the time, sometimes it is required, right? Like sometimes it is required and it is needed. And, um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those stories like, yes, I learned from it, but will everyone else learn in a exactly. similar way? You know, and, you know, it's, it's again, understanding the people on the team, you know, the other people, like how they're going to learn and how they're going to accept it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's such a critical point of, of leadership to understand, um, you know, how to get the best in people and how, how, yeah, how they're going to react to different approaches. And some people yeah, can take the harsh feedback, um, Others, you have to you have to be a bit softer, but it also changes over time. Like at one point, somebody can take a harsh feedback, but you know, the same person at another point in time, you have to uh, be sort of nicer or softer with it. Uh, so it's it's great that you know they saw that in you, you seeing it in in, in others. It's a great culture of, of the organization, um, and it, it it must drive uh, it must create a lot of loyalty and a lot of you know, long tenures. Uh, how, how do you think about that? Um, so interesting point. I was actually in a conversation last week with uh, some other CIOs and, you know, global. So we had a few people from the States, you know, some big companies in there uh, talking about some of the challenges, you know, and um, from AT&T, Google, you know, like I said, and the challenges that they spoke about, obviously a lot bigger than Asenko, but, you know, some of the very similar challenges, you know, we're talking about cybersecurity, you know, as of today, as you see things happening overseas, you know, with the war and cyber attacks, you know, how how important cybersecurity is to organizations in the world, you know, and, um, you know, while there's so many similarities, there's so many differences. And, you know, they spoke about one of the key challenges being recruitment, right? You know, like try to find and retain talent. Yes, um, you know, and I put my hand up saying, well, I don't know if we're doing something different or, or, or we've got the right people, but we've got not an opposite problem as such, but I think it's a, it's a blessing more than anything else. You know, we've been able to build our team and, you know, as I, as I look at my team globally, a lot of the people are around, you know, some of them have reached their... 15 year 10 year you know we've got someone that's been at the organization for 40 years you know wow. and, you know 30 like in within this team and have grown and have changed roles and you know most of the team there's some new people that keep coming in obviously but you yep. know most of them have been there for at least a year or two now and um you know a majority of the key people have been here for about eight ten years you know and that's good to see and, you know, that they stay, that they're challenged, you know, that they're motivated, you know, it's not like we're not doing anything and they're yeah. just comfortable because that's not the case with everything going on. Um, but, you know, that that's an opposite problem. And it actually goes to that point that you just made, Felipe, on, on loyalty, you know, and, you know, that, you know, they're valued, they're contributing um, as the organization's grown and the team's grown, like, yes, you know, um, We've had to like I've had to change the way I work, you know, when I was a director in the team, you know, in IT and where that's where I started from, you know, I, I actually knew everyone and I know everyone's 
story, right? You yep. know what's going on in almost everyone's life and like everyone that you work with and our team's probably close to 50 people now globally. And I, I realized, you know, as I moved into the role that I might not be able to do that, you know, and uh, it was still important to me that I still kept some key connections and, you know, I try my best, you know, as COVID started, like, you know, those, those conversations that you have, you know, you could just walk into the IT yeah. area, you know, be like, hey, mate, you know, Richard, how's things going? Or, you know, what's up? And all those conversations stopped, right? Yeah. And yeah, so I started making a point uh, to call someone from the team every week, you know, whether it was like pick a name out of a hat or just go through the list and be like, oh, I haven't caught up with so-and-so for a while let me just call them up you know and see how things are going you know and while you know the last few months has been pretty tough and difficult you know it's uh to do that but you know it's something that we started with and but that's a conversation and again you know as you move roles and leaders and you know for your listeners i know there's a lot of young um folk on your on your that subscribe to the podcast, you know, their demographic and, you know, trying to learn and grow. That's something that you've got to take into account that, you know, you're going to lose some of those key relationships. You're going to have to learn and, and grow as your team grows. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Man, that is so, that is so interesting and so well done to continue to, you know, be deliberate and proactive about staying connected with the team, obviously during, during this, this tough time. Um, I think that's, that's really great. and really shows the, the human side and how how much it's valued um, both in your leadership and in your organization. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the the tenure side. Um, I think that the in in the in the tech space, the average tenure in Australia is is about three years of something something like that, like very I think like quite low. Um, what so I wanted to ask you about the benefits of, of longer tenures. What, what are the, 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 and you can give me pros and cons if you want, but, but what, what are the, the benefits that you're seeing from, from having longer tenures in this space? Yeah, so it's an interesting one. And as, as I reflected it on the conversation that I had with the other CIOs as well, um, you know, is there one better than the other? You know, mm-hmm. is really the question, you know, and um, I've got a personal view on it, and obviously I'm a living example on, on my personal opinion and view, view on it, that tenure does make a difference. And um, But I'm not saying that's 100% the right thing, right? Like I so, said, you know, in terms of pros, mm. I feel mm. like the biggest pro is you know the key stakeholders, you know yeah. the systems, you know what's needed to make a change and how you can influence the change and how you can actually get change happening, you know, to, to the right effect, you know, in my own experience, like I know the business, I know what's happened in the business to make certain changes. I know the people that you need to influence to change um, Mm. direction or pivot, you know, and um, all those things play a massive part in being able to make a difference. You know, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that tenure has, to, to go along with it. You know, people understand the systems, they understand the legacy, they understand the decisions that have yeah. gone into making, um, you know, the decisions and where you've got to. You know, we Senko went through a period of time where we weren't investing in systems and, you know, technology as much because the markets weren't great. You know, we didn't have as many projects. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so, so there was a reason for it. You know, we have people come in and go, oh, maybe we should just do this. You know, let's spend a million dollars to do X, you know, and we should turn everything off and do this. And like, no, that's not really the right process because, you know, we've, we've spent an effort and, you know, we've gone through this period, which is why things are the way they are. You can't just hit a switch and, yeah. you know, turn something off. You know, it's actually needed for a certain reason. And, you know, some of the team, you know, I speak about the gentleman that's been there for 40 years. You know, he can go back all that while and tell you why things are there, like what software is required for this legacy system and why it's on this server. And, you know, yeah. it's important. You know, it's yeah. context, you know. And um, I think I touched upon something earlier with, you know, the perception of IT, right? Yeah. I think a lot of the perception of IT previously within our business and I think some other businesses has been, you know, they're the behind the keyboard, you know, they'll plug in some cables and, you know, that they're, they're not like a partner. And what we've managed to do is change to be a business partner because we've got people like this on the team. We've got people that actually understand and can have the conversation saying, this is why you've got this legacy system. This is why this information is there, you know. And I think that's a big pro as well. You know, we can sit down, you know, my background within, you know, coming from the floor and certain people that we've got in our team that actually used to work on the tools, you know, it's a big advantage to build that business partnership to get, um, make progress really. And um, with the shorter tenure, one big advantage I find is you get a lot of new thinking mm. coming in from external because sometimes you can be walking or looking at a problem or what working with blinkers on, you know, so you know, because you don't know what else is happening outside, you know, so there's, there's learnings that, you know, we drive within our team and, you know, we've got some people on the team that are, you know, including myself, you know, always reading about what's new, what's out there, what's happening, what are some of the case studies that have been successful and not successful, whether it's in the AI space, whether it's in, you know, drones, like obviously you get a lot of calls from companies all the time and every day saying, hey, this is what we've got, we've got this new technology, you know, I think we worked out that it was it was up to about 40 a week that we were getting, you know, these companies, which is high. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's also like, you know, making sure that we are staying cognizant of what's happening around the place and you're not working mm -hmm. within those blinkers on to take advantage about of some of that learning, you know, and it's not like we haven't got anyone new. We do get in new people, you know, almost every year we've had some new starters to, to get some insight into you know, what else is happening? You know, what other procedures? What are the challenges that are happening outside? You know, some of these conversations that you and me are having, you know, and, you know, just seeing like what those challenges are and, you know, how, how do we evolve to, to, I guess, balance that nuance of not having as many new people within the team. But that's a big advantage, I think, that I've found, um, you know, with getting, getting new people within the group, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, I love that. You know, in discussing the the benefits of the long tenure, you highlighted the the impact, the ability for change, the knowing the history of why things happened, and then what it took to create change before, and what what it'll take to take to create change now. Um, because there's there's so many people in 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 our industries that you know get frustrated that sometimes they. They, the change is not there, that sometimes the, the technology or the algorithms are created and that, that then there's low adoption, um, low amount of, no, there's no, there's no um, um, engagement in the rollout and things like that. 
and people get frustrated and, and often jump ship. Um, and sometimes like there, there's additional, obviously sometimes there's other reasons, but if there's good leadership and, and if things are going the, the right way, um, maybe a longer tenure can, can help uh, on, on that side. What do you think? Yeah. And, and you know, that's, you very eloquently put Felipe in that, you know, it's, um, it's that situation, you know, where the frustration people have without being able to make change. And you see so many people that come into the company from other organizations, not within IT or we call ourselves technology services solutions mm-hmm. or TSS, you know, because it's expanded a lot more than being traditional IT. You know, we're, we're a newer model IT, we're front facing, you know, working together to be a solution provider versus just that back end. But, you know, it's awesome. really... Yeah, you go and see like a lot of the places and hear a lot of these stories, you know, with people like trying to achieve greatness when it comes to technology, right? You know, you've got like, you know, they really believe in a certain solution or passionate about it, you know, and and they drive it and then they see it not be successful just because of simple things, you know, like while the technology was great and, you know, works fine, just the culture of adoption and that change management hasn't happened, you know, and hasn't been thought about, you know, whereas while we've got some effort in this space, you know, with, with change management, and I wouldn't say we're the greatest when it comes to it, but, you know, we also understand, you know, who to influence or where to influence to make some of that change, which is, which is a bit different, you know, and you're not going to get everyone on site all the time, but, yeah, you know, you, if you get the key stakeholders and the leaders within the business that will push that change down, it, it will be successful. And, and I, you know, I hear from so many people that come to our team and, you know, that I meet, externally you know from larger organizations than ours you know and much bigger teams with how frustrating it is to just make simple changes and get mm-hmm. buy-in from key stakeholders you know so that's exactly right that you said you know that that's probably why there's a high turnover in certain areas because they go in and they expect to achieve this greatness that doesn't happen yeah exactly exactly yeah they the expectation is where where it sits though no, mate i completely agree um, the other one that, that, I, that I picked up from, from what you were saying, and I'm keen to explore a bit further, is around the, the change of, um, of IT, uh, of going from, from, from a back office to a partner to solutions. Um, I, I assume that with that, it comes a much more agile style of delivery. Um, how, how have you created and helped navigate that change for the organization? Um, it's, it's always a hard one, right? You know, like you can have the best intentions and, you know, make the right effort, but you know, it's, it's with any partnership, it takes two sides to really work to it. Right. So, you know, the intention often I feel being right is, is the main criteria. You know, we've got the right intention. You're going to keep working for something because your intentions, right. You know, you believe in that particular point, you've got that belief that you're doing the right thing. It's been driven and supported by your leadership team and your management line, you know, and and that's really what we do. You know, I think we call it business partnering within within our team. It's something that we're all passionate about as a leadership team. We all try our best, you know, we've got now, you know, it's been a work in progress, you know, so we've had some very trying times to get to this point, but it's also one of those things where, 
you know, we've got business leaders from my team now that sit in regional leadership groups, you know, and I think that's amazing, you know, to be, to be, to have a seat at some of those tables where you're actually making those decisions on projects and, you know, now having like an IT stakeholder there to say, well, you know, yes, that's, that's possible, but, you know, it's actually going to take a lot longer because, you know, the simple, simple examples, like I've heard so many people talk about this and, you know, the simple examples of an office move, Mm -hmm. you know, that, you're moving offices or you're growing to a new office or changing locations, you know, and people are working in the background for months knowing that this is happening and, you know, they've got commitment. And then the IT guy gets a tap on the shoulder saying, Hey, we're doing this. Can you make sure this happens within the next month or two? And, um, you know, make sure the internet's available and you plan to move everyone's computer across. And, you know, <laughs> this is literally a story that I heard recently from someone and I was like, wow, you know, you, you didn't, you weren't part of that. This and like, no, we just got told, uh, um, I can't say the company's name because they're, yeah. they're, they're pretty close to us, but you know, luckily for us, you know, we are part of these conversations and, you know, some, of, most of the leaders know that, you know, IT is a key stakeholder now. And I think that's, that's progress compared to what we've ever done before. You know, that's huge to make, to make things successful within any organization, you know, um, like we're never going to know everything about everything. Like, you know, I don't know about why the project delivery team needs to have a process a certain way, you know, I, I might know a bit about the instrumentation, you know, cause I've lived and grown through that framework. I know a bit about the design tools cause I, I've spent time there, but you know, and other people within the business, but you're going to need someone from the business to actually tell you what the key problem is and work with you to come up with a solution. So, so that's something as part of our digital transformation journey that, you know, as we do projects and, you know, embark on those smaller projects, whether it's, um, you know, taking away a paper process or, you know, a new starter form that's now digital, whatever it is, um, you know, ensuring that we've actually got the key business partners, whether it's someone from HR, whether it's someone from the project delivery team, you know, working with, the director of digital transformation to come up with the solution and implement it. While we'll help the technology and the container, you need someone from the business to actually say, these are the problems and, you know, whether or not we've ticked the right boxes to address that problem. Yeah, exactly. Mate, that is excellent. That is excellent. Um, I wanted to see if we can change tack and I wanted to ask you about the, um, the AI side and how you guys have, um, what, what your foray into AI has been, how, how did it start? What is the adoption and use cases have been? If you can tell us a little bit about your, your AI journey, I guess. Yeah, look, um, AI is where I would say a lot of our, uh, for most organizations, I would say the future is really within this space, you know? So, you know, whether it's five years from now, whether it's 10 years from now, um, I think the investments we're making today and the value and the efficiencies we're going to get for our business and, and potentially a lot of other ones is going to be within this AI space. You know, so from a few years ago, we started working with, um, you know, some of the big AI players to help us come up with this journey and what the roadmap's going to look like. So, um, it was actually just pre-COVID, Feb, Feb 2019, Feb 2020, 
that we sat down in San Francisco, you know, before all the lockdowns happened, you know, we wow. had a few of the C team, you know, our CIO at the time I wasn't in the role, um, CTO, um, CEO and COO mm-hmm. all in San Francisco with, you know, we spent a day with one of the key players in the AI space, you know, the AI um, well, uh, godfather, godmother, whatever you want to call it, you know, with, with Watson, you know, we spent a yep. day with Watson, you know, in, in their laboratory with, with IBM Watson. And what the reason for that and why we actually did that was, you know, to get some of that thinking, you know, we spoke about business partnering and, you know, coming up with the right ideas. Um, so that day and looking at basically what the art of the possible was, you know, like what level is AI up to right now? You know, what are some of the case studies? What are some of the successful example and use cases of AI? So, so that really started getting, you know, our creative juices flowing, you know, within our business, what's going to make that difference? Yeah. What's going to be, um, what's going to be that disruptor within that AI space that's going to make a difference to our industry, you know, in our business, you know, and, and that's really um, what we did. And we came up with eight different areas of work that were going to mm-hmm. make that huge difference for us. And, and that's where we started, uh, we've started working on, you know, and there's a bit happening in the, in the background to ensure that, uh, we reach some of those goals. They're not getting to the point as quickly as they needed to. And, and there's multiple reasons with this. And, and I think the AI space, there's a bit of an AI trap here, right? You know, mm-hmm. and I've heard of other companies and I've spoken to multiple other CEOs and CTOs, et cetera, across the board, you know, in Australia, where from the really big to the really small and talk about their investments. And, you know, some of the really big companies, they're happy to invest you know, tens of millions of dollars yeah. and, and they understand that, you know, there's there's that probably reality that out of the hundred projects that they actually do within this AI space or, you know, we're talking about eight within ourselves. You know, I spoke to one of the big companies in the oil and gas space with, you know, they've got 20 of these projects and they're actually investing a lot of money in these 20 projects. And they're cognizant of the fact that they're probably going to fail in all 20 of them. Yeah. You know, that they're not going to reach yeah. that tangible value, which is fine for them, you know, and, and all they're doing is ensuring that, you know, they're actually testing it out, you know, trying to find that right use case. And they might get to 20 right now. They'll do 20 next year. They'll do 20 the year mm-hmm. after that. And they're going to get this one that's going to be amazing, right? You know, and save the world and it's going to be disruptive. Yeah. Not the case for a lot of companies that don't have that much money to invest in this space. Mm-hmm. You know, there is that reality check where, yeah, we'd like to spend that money, but we don't have the resources to do it. You know, we've, we've also got people that are billable to projects and doing a lot of work across across the board. So um, what the way I've approached it and the way we've done it over here is to, to look at ways that we can containerize mm-hmm. the risk. You know, so... Let's go and test out, you know, build that MVP, build um, that case to make sure that it is a reality. But instead of going through the whole way and realizing at the end that, you know, was or wasn't the use case, we're doing that like a lot earlier on, you know, and I hate using the analogy because it has the word fail in it a lot, but fail fast, fail cheap, fail easy, fail, fail early, but 
you know, it's about that. You know, there is there is a piece of let's make sure that we minimize our risk, our exposure. Let's just do it, but actually get it done to a realistic perspective. Yeah. And yeah. understand where that success or that failure is going to be. You know, if it is successful and we've managed to test it out, then let's go to the next phase and then the next phase and and let's approach it like that versus, you know, let's get it done and get it all together. So so we're doing it, you know, one project at a time. Um, we're going through, we've, we've already hit our, you know, failure project, which wasn't as successful. And, you know, we find out pretty quickly that it's not going to be successful and not because the technology wasn't going to be successful. The technology was, you know, so yep. the way it would work in practicality and reality wasn't going to be successful. You know, it would take a lot more time, you know, so so that's an important realization as well that, you know, the real reality of it all in practice wasn't going to be tangible. You know, and whether we had the business case that we'd save on X amount of resources, we realized actually in a way then the project wasn't, all the technology didn't work as well as it was supposed to, right? So, yeah. So we realized quickly and we're doing, you know, we're making decisions now where we're going, before we do anything else, we need to build this amazing data lake house, you know, data lake to to ensure everything's connected and ensure we've got that springboard now or the catalyst to jump into any AI project. And I find that's the basis of it all. Definitely, definitely. That's great. That is great. Um, and can you tell us a bit, a bit about some uh, some of the air applications or some of the areas that you're focusing on um, or, or how you're choosing what to focus on? We can't get into too much detail of the projects because we feel like these are going to be the game changers in yep, the future. Definitely. That's okay, Felipe. Yeah, of course. Yep. No, no pressure from that side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, definitely in the space of... Uh, AI were working out, you know, where the initial investment needs to be and ensuring that, you know, while we're making the investment, we've prioritized the projects for the biggest wins, right? You know, like where do we feel, you know, out of these eight projects, we've actually prioritized from one to eight to see, you know, whether it's, um, which was the first project that I spoke about, you know, literally the aim of that project was to just see if the AI piece and the partners we were working in with were the right ones you know that was the aim of it you know so while the technology might have not ticked all the boxes you know we also worked out very quickly whether we had the right partners whether we had the right Mm -hmm. stakeholders whether we've got the right team internally to make sure that's success yes you know and i think all those things were really important so while we're not going ahead with the project we've actually learned so much you know in in that not going ahead that's yep. made us pivot and make decisions today to ensure that the next one's incrementally successful. And the one after that is that, you know, great gold nugget that we, we find um, to use a mining term. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. That's great. Um, and uh, the, the, the cultural component is always a big part of, of, um, of digital transformations in general, and definitely of, of AI adoption. Um, and uh, what, how are you focusing on the, on the cultural side to help make the AI adoption and the digital transformation a success? Yeah, so 
culture again when it comes to change management is the most critical piece right you know we've spoken about this through this conversation already it's been um, mentioned a few times you know through change management you know in various aspects and in areas as we've spoken about this you know the having the key stakeholders is imperative to any any of this you know if your leaders and you know your your stakeholders again the right stakeholders you know there's a there's a big piece of stakeholder management in here you need the right stakeholders for your for your project and starting early you know influencing people and bringing them along for that journey to show them what that success is going to look like right you know you shouldn't just be the one drinking the Kool-Aid and looking at this vision. You need to be able to communicate to people this vision and ensure that they see why you're seeing this to be such a big deal, right? You know, like if you believe that it's going to be game-changing, they should believe it too. You know, I think we spoke about this a bit mm-hmm. last time, you know, that startup culture. You know, if, if I wanted seed funding for something, you know, I need to be able to explain and, you know, to the to the investors, and it's a lot about that. You know, you want to come across being passionate about it. They need to see your vision, and literally, the people within the organization or, or your stakeholders are your investors. You know, they're your seed funding, they're your venture capitalists that are coming in to invest in this project. You know, whether it's not financially or whether it is financially, to you know, just believing that the project's going to be successful. If you can get them on side and believing that project's going to be successful, and they're going to be you know, reaping the rewards from it, hundred percent. You're gonna you're gonna be successful in your change management process. Awesome, awesome. That's great. Um, I yeah, mate. I agree. That's that is very well said. Um, very well put. I wanted to ask you about the um, collaboration. Something I know that I, that you're big on is a collaboration and brainstorming and whiteboarding and bringing the team together to to get things. Um, to to uh, solve problems, come up with solutions, um, develop new methods. Um, how how have you navigated that um, in the last couple of years? You had to had to ask the tricky question, the hard hard hitting <laughs> question, Philippe. So um, couldn't help myself. Yeah, couldn't help yourself. Could you? Well, it's. I personally still believe that having people in a room together, you know, whether it's, we're a global team, right? That's the reality of the situation. You know, you're never going to have everyone at the room at the same time. We're very rarely like have everyone in the room at the same time physically, right? So, yeah. you know, while technology has been amazing, you know, we've got so many pieces of really valuable technology, you know, we've got whiteboards, you know, you've got other candidates coming in, you know, that you can do post-its and, you know, like put comments and you can actually have like avatars walking around. I saw recently with these Mm -hmm. are all great, but, you know, I still feel for some of the really big things, having people in a room together is invaluable. And and I know Mm -hmm. coming from a technology role, people are going to laugh and, you know, probably crucify me. Not at all. There's there's a big piece to this that you miss out on if you've not got it. So I, I think one of the things that I ended up doing last year was ensuring at least in the regions we got people together. You know, uh-huh. so whether it's not everyone sitting in the room, you know, everyone in Australia sitting together, 
everyone in Canada is sitting together and everyone in South America is sitting together. Nice. You know, so, so you're still getting some of that energy. You're still getting some of the um, benefits of, of working off each other, you know, even though not everyone was in the room together. And I think that was quite advantageous. Mate, that is excellent. That is great. That is great. Um, and yeah, the, so this the, is the probably com- going to be where the comments blow up. <laughs> you know, <I'm> just, <laughs> yeah. Well, I gotta say, like, I agree. I agree. Like it's, it's, um, it's difficult having that, that connection, that relationship and that momentum in a, um, in, in a virtual setting. And I, I might be, I might be old school here. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm getting old, mate. But, uh, but yeah, I still you, feel you that. and me both. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we're actually at a social dinner, and you know, someone asked me about going into the office, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going into the office, and I'm telling my team to come into the office, and yeah, yeah. You know, this friend of mine was like, you're nuts, mate. Who <laughs> <laughs> goes into the office? Dude? I was like, I, I like to see people. Yeah, same, same. It's yeah. it's the best. It's the best. Yeah. Um, and mate, the, the the last bit that I wanted to ask you about is views on on diversity. I know that um, this is this is something yeah up there for you. Uh, tell us about your a uh, bit about your views on diversity. Yeah, again, one of those things that's imperative to to success. You know, it's 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 a hard one to do properly for sure, but yes you know, the value that you can get out of these teams and, you know, having that diverse feedback again, you know, if we look at it just at the start of this conversation and, and you know, some of what we spoke about, having those diverse opinions and views and experiences that people have, you know, whether it's having the ratio set correctly, whether it's your background being culturally different, you know, it's each one of those experiences plays such an important part in your opinions and in your working today, you know, and who you are, you know, as, as people and personalities today, that's, that's played such a big part of it. And, you know, what you contribute can be so different based on your past experiences, you know, and um, yeah, big believer, believer in it and, you know, ensured as much of our team as possible is, is diverse, you know, and comes from various backgrounds. And, and I think it's important for success for, you know, any of the people that are on your podcast and, you know, one of the, one of the bases, you know, to, to ensure that you're coming up with the right ideas and, you know, for success in the future for those projects that you work on. I love it. I love it, mate. So true. So true. And something to invest in early. Hey, when I'm setting up a team or, or in a, in a new role, um, definitely like double down on diversity early early on. Yeah, yeah. And, and it'll be a challenge early on, you know, within technology. It's difficult to, to, to get some of the, you know, diversification as we talk about it. You know, it's a, it's a tough one, you know, but it's worth that effort early on, you know, to, to be put in to, to ensure that success. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mate, this has been phenomenal. I know thank you so much. Thanks so much for your time, for sharing your, your insights and your journey. Mate, there's so much to learn from everything that you've done at, and, and your approaches. I really can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing everything with us. Felipe, it's been a pleasure, mate, and uh, such a great conversation. I could keep talking and I, I hope it's a conversation we can continue and I hope it was worthwhile, but Again, thank you so much for having me, mate. Really appreciate it.
Oh, mate, absolutely phenomenal and definitely keen to, to continue it. And hopefully next time in person. That'll be great. That'll be great, mate. Let's do part two in person. Love it. Thank you so much, mate. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as Data Futurology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.